What a year this month has been, huh, Marshall? <laughs> you know, I was actually thinking about this. Every single week of January, some crazy shit has happened. I, I was thinking about this too the other day. I was like, every day feels like a week. Every week feels like a month. This month has felt like an entire year. Yeah. Welcome to episode 383 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lovin. And I'm also your co-host, Brian. I'm your co-host, Marshall Bach. (laughs) Who are you and what are you? (laughs) I feel slighted and betrayed. (laughs) I am the founder and executive producer, Brian Lovin. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just the editor who talks sometimes, I guess, Marshall Bach. Marshall's our fact checker. I mostly just bring him along for support i just active listen in the background mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah oh yeah yeah totally agree. great point <laughs> all right well we got a good episode we have a big outline let's get straight into it we have some new very important pixels this week thank hey. you everyone who supported the show this week shout outs to ben Patton, gregor's i don't know how to pronounce your name i'm so sorry i'm gonna spell it because I think this is interesting, and I feel like if someone tells us the pronunciation, we will learn something. Uh-huh. All right, spelled G-R-Z-E-G-O-R-Z. So it's like Gregor's, but with a Z in there. Anyways, I'm so sorry. Also, shout out to Danielle Schechter, Havana Wynn, and John Kafaza. Nice. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks for bearing with me through another segment of Brian messes up the pronunciation of your name. <laughs> My favorite segment. In case you didn't know, we're a listener-supported podcast, which means that people like like you you. actually make it possible for us to record this every week. You help us pay for our software, our hardware, and the time it takes to get together and record and edit the show every single week. If you've been enjoying the show, or even if this is your first time listening and you want to become a part of the small but growing community of people who are supporting the show and making it possible, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash design details. Supporting us starts at just a dollar a month, and when you subscribe, you get access to a new supporter-only segment of the show called The Sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. Sidebar is like an extra cool thing, or we'll answer a bonus listener question, or in some cases, we'll just talk about some interesting new news, and we'll come at it from a design angle. So, for example, today, we took a look at the new Tesla Model S Refresh, and just gave like a designer's react sort of walkthrough of all the changes to the new Tesla car. And if that sounds interesting to you, and if you want to just support the show and make it possible for us to record every week, head to patreon.com slash design details and consider supporting us. Just a buck a month. Just a dollar. <laughs> Thanks everybody who supported us this week and everybody who's been supporting us. We appreciate it. All right. Follow up time. We have two bits of follow up from last week's episode about Digital experiences. You want to get these? The word still isn't any better. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. So we had a tweet from Harsh Shavaraman. Hope I'm saying your name right. He thought of including the hardware crypto wallet as another example. He said he got one recently and the experience has been amazing. So the, the one that he has only has like two little buttons. Um, they've got Mac and iOS apps for buying and selling stuff. I know, Brian, you're super into security. So. <sighs> Yeah. You know what? I All these crypto wallets that are like, 
I don't know, hardware thumb drive looking kind of things. Mm -hmm. All I can think about is that New York Times story that ran, I think it was New York Times, a couple weeks ago about some guy who has one of these and he forgot the password for it. And he has a hundred, I think it was $180 million of Bitcoin on this flash drive and it's encrypted and there's, you're allowed 10 password attempts and he's used eight of them. Oh no. And it was this profile of this person and you know, he's describing like he, he will dream about this, like wake up in the middle of the night and be like, Oh my God, did I try this password? Did I try this? And he's down to the last I mean, as of the time I read this, last two password attacks. I have so much anxiety. $180 million or some insane number like that. And so I understand that like having your crypto on a physical device is a plus for security. Mm -hmm. I just can't help but think of this story or like, God, heaven forbid you lose it or your dog chews it up or something. I don't know. Uh, it reminds me of that uh, Silicon Valley episode where that douchebag billionaire guy, he th- uh, his maid threw out a pair of jeans because they were ripped up because he wears like ripped up jeans. She thought they, <laughs> they, she thought that they were old. So uh-huh. she threw them out and he had like a Bitcoin USB or whatever in his pocket. So he's in the <laughs> garbage dump, like literally in the landfill exactly trying to find this. his jeans. Yeah. Oh, oh, so much anxiety, Brian. I wish you wouldn't have told me that. Two password attempts, man. Uh, I, okay. I'm going to wipe that from my memory because that will haunt me and it's not even me. Yeah. All right. Uh, and okay, so we had another tweet from Divya Talk, longtime fan of the show. She said, uh, she replied to your cool thing saying, Hades is amazing. So, first off, that it's her favorite game from that studio. But uh, she mentioned that uh, one company which has really good fidgetal experience is Airbnb. And I, I totally agree. I'm a I'm a host, Brian. I uh-huh. I participate in the Airbnbs. So uh, yeah, this is very much digital and physical combining. When I saw this tweet, I was like, I cannot believe we didn't think of this. Yeah. This is the perfect example of yep. a digital experience that is directly tied to a physical real life interaction. Right? Yep. I'm ashamed. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Thanks, Divya. Yeah, good catch, Divya. Well, I guess this is why we put out the call to action, right? Like, if we forget something, tweet at us, then we can put it in yeah. the follow-up. So the the system is working, yeah. but, you know, we should have been sharper. <laughs> it's okay. Now they know we mean it. Yes, yes. All right, main topic time. Let's do it. This week, we have a, not a listener question, but a listener prompt. This one Ooh. comes from Kevin Fernandez, who slid into our DMs. Hi, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin says, hey guys, I love today's episode. You touched on some great topics. One of which really piqued my interest was services slash products that are invisible but make a difference in everyday life. I would love to know more of these services, apps, products that are out there. I think it would be a great topic. And we thought it'd be a great topic too. Yeah. And so we sat down this afternoon, evening, and we were like, what is an invisible service or product? Like it's actually a challenge to define it. Mm-hmm. We came up with a definition, which will scope the rest of this conversation. Yeah. But I assume that lots of other people will have different definitions. And our definition could include things like the government, right? Like you pay your taxes and roads get built, like potholes get filled in. Running water. It, yeah. If your house catches fire, the fire department shows up. Well, we're not going to talk about that kind of stuff. We'll be talking more about like consumer products, apps, software, that kind of thing more in line Mm -hmm. with i don't know the theme of this podcast so (laughs) 
Marshall, you came up with this definition, so you want to kick it off? Yeah, okay. So uh, the definition we came up with is an experience that goes unnoticed when present, but would be immediately noticed if absent. Mm. There you go. So that's kind of the, the framing we're doing here. All right. And we just have a big list. We're going to just talk through this list. I think some of these, they're interesting because it took us a while to think of them and it took us a while to figure out if they actually fit into this definition. Some are in a gray area. Some are more clear. Mm-hmm. And then it's cool to apply these examples and be like, am I working on anything that's like this? Or or in the product that I'm working on, is there a new thing we could build that would act invisibly like this? That, yeah. That people would get a lot of value out of without necessarily noticing it at its on its face? Mm-hmm. So let's dig in. The first right. one that we put down, content blockers slash ad blockers. Yeah, this is kind of what kicked it all off is I had a, a cool thing. It was a hush. And it's just a content blocker for Safari that, that sits in the background and stops those little accept cookies pop-ups from happening whenever you come to a site for the first time. Yeah. And I don't know, Marshall, do you use an ad blocker as well? I do. I feel bad about it. I have it paused yeah. on some sites that I you know, want to throw a bone to. But yeah, I use ad block. Yeah. And this sounds horrible, but I'll just say it. I generally just like pay for services, like pay the premium so you don't have to watch ads. Like I think Hulu has, you know, a $5 plan where you get ads and then like an $11 plan where you don't get ads. Yep. I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'll do the $11 one. Same with YouTube. There's YouTube premium. Mm-hmm. So you don't ever see ads. All right, sure. A few bucks here. And if you combine that with an ad blocker on the web, it's actually pretty amazing. You never really experience a digital advertisement until you go home and visit your parents and you look at your parents on their computer or you watch TV on their TV and you're like, what the, like, oh my God, I didn't realize how inundated our screens are with ads because I'm so spoiled. (laughs) Sitting through YouTube ads is like, I just can't deal with it. Or like, Watching Hulu with ads, it's like the same four commercials every ad break. Yeah, Yeah. a lot of times Hulu doesn't have enough ads that they'll actually just replay the same one back to back, which is even worse. Like, I don't mind if it's rotating four, but just having one back to back is like low inventory. Yeah. All right. So, yes, content blockers, ad blockers changes the way you experience the digital landscape. And people who don't use these tools or fucking pony up the money for all the ad-free versions of our services. Mm-hmm. The internet is a different place. Like, it's bizarrely different. I've, I've been doing this experiment. This is, sorry, a little bit of a tangent. Hit me. Did you know that if you see an ad on Twitter, it always comes from a profile, right? It comes from a user or, or some company account. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you can block that person, which means you the ad gets removed immediately from the timeline and you'll never see ads from that brand again. Huh. Well, when I realized this, I just got into this habit of anytime I see an advertisement, I block that account. (laughs) And I looked, dude, I have blocked over 3,000 accounts on Twitter. Oh, my God. And I don't know if this is a good thing or bad thing. The only thing it's made me realize is there is an infinite pool of advertisers, so I will never (laughs) finish. Yep. Um, And I should just switch to like an ad-free app like Tweetbot or something. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to suggest. You should do that. But I like the main Twitter app for all the other reasons. Anyways, yeah, I have a thing with ads. (laughs) <laughs> All right, let's keep going. We got a long list. Okay. Next up on the list is uh, something near and dear to my heart. So I've, I've, I have a smart home. I've assembled a smart home. Uh, did not buy it smart, made it smart. Give it education, Brian. And uh, one of the things that happens in my house and in certain rooms is when I walk into the room, a motion detector realizes that and tells the room light to turn on. 
And that's something that's kind of become second nature, or at least I, I expect it when I walk into a room. And when it doesn't happen, when it, it's like, um, have you ever uh, come home from work where you have like automatic faucet in the, in the bathrooms at work and you just put your hands under the faucet? And then you come home uh-huh. and you wash your hands and you put your hands in the faucet and you stand there for a second. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, uh-huh. right. I have to turn the thing. Yeah, yeah. it's like that. So I've, I've gotten used to the automatic faucet with, with the lights. And yeah. anytime yeah. it doesn't work, there's a moment of like, what is happening? Something's wrong. How do I fix it? All right, you have to turn around and flip the switch. Well, I still live in the dark ages. I turn on all my lights manually like a freaking heathen. Pleb. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the next one we have is car technology. If you are a, a patron on our Patreon, you heard a lot of car talk this, this yeah, episode about this Tesla. This is the car episode. But there's some really cool invisible car tech. So a few I think are specific to Tesla. I'm not familiar enough to know if a lot of other manufacturers have these. And then there's some that are more general. But so for Tesla specifically, uh, they don't have car keys. You set up your phone as a car key mm-hmm. and it uses Bluetooth. And so when you walk close to the car, it unlocks. And when you walk away from the car, it locks, which is really cool, Yeah. right? Of course, when you walk away from your car, it should lock so nobody can get in. Yeah, with your key on you. Yeah. Uh, And then I think they also have uh, features where if you walk away and and you left a window rolled down, it'll automatically roll up as well. Uh. Beautiful. And then there's more general car tech here, just stuff that happens automatically that is so convenient. And were it to go away, you would immediately be frustrated. Things like having your high beams turn off automatically as a car is approaching, mm-hmm. uh, having windshield wipers turn on when it starts raining. Mm-hmm. A lot of cars now have like profiles for individual drivers. So when you get in, you just press a button and it'll move your seat to the right position and pick all your settings. Some cars can even tell based on your weight which profile you are. Yeah. Uh, there's things like lane assist. So if you start drifting towards the edge, it'll like nudge you back. Adaptive cruise control. I guess, you know, Tesla calls this autopilot, but really adaptive cruise control. If the car in front of you slows down, you probably want to slow down too. So the car <laughs> should just do it. Uh, yeah. And then there was a couple other things here that are probably on the higher end of cars. One you were talking about, Marshall, like windows automatically rolling up as you approach high speeds. Mm-hmm. I was watching uh, Doug DeMuro on YouTube. If any of you are familiar with him, he reviews cars, entertaining channel. Check it out. Extra bonus cool thing. But he he was reviewing some $9 million car or some shit like that. Just, just crazy. And he started going very fast, and without him doing anything, the window that was down halfway went up automatically. And I was like, uh, "Was that? did he accidentally hit a button? And then later he commented on it, like, oh yeah, it happens to reduce turbulence and, and increase airflow around the car, or aerodynamics. That sounds like something a $9 million car should probably do for you. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, similar to like spoilers automatically coming up when you hit high mm-hmm. speeds, right? Like giving mm-hmm. you a little more... Uh, push on the road. Uh, another thing that this isn't a fancy thing, but I've seen on some cars when a car is in your blind spot on the mirror on that side, mm, it will mm-hmm. it will play a little sound and show an icon saying don't switch lanes. That's pretty yeah. that's pretty cool. Love it. I always crane my neck though. I always double check and look. <laughs> yeah. Better safe than sorry. Yeah. All right. Let's continue. We got some uh this one's a repeat from last week talking about digital experiences, but headphones Automatically pausing when you take them out. AirPods, mm-hmm. magical feature. Yep. Once you use it, it's hard to go back to anything else. Uh, I, so when I connect my AirPods straight to the TV, 
it doesn't have the automatic pausing when I take the headphone out and it, it sucks every time. <laughs> when, you, when it's not there, you miss it. Yeah. Uh, this one, I'm not sure. So AirPods technically have automatic source switching. Like if you're on your computer and mm-hmm. audio is playing out and you put in your AirPods, it's supposed to connect your AirPods. Mm-hmm. And then the second you start playing something from your phone or from your iPad, it's supposed to automatically switch. Mm-hmm. I have found this to be incredibly just roll of the dice. Yep. It will get to the right device or not. It's a, but it's a coin flip. <laughs> if I would imagine it actually working, it would be pretty awesome. Yeah, half the time it's magical. The other half of the time it's super frustrating. Yeah, I'm with you. Cool. Let's continue. iCloud Keychain. I put this one. Uh, I'm sure there's the equivalent for like Android and maybe even the Windows ecosystem, but just little things like saving a Wi-Fi password across devices when you connect for the first time mm-hmm. is awesome. It's so great. Why didn't this happen sooner? I don't know. But it started happening a few years ago, and it will be impossible to go back. The ability to just connect to network once, open your phone, or open your laptop later, and it just works is amazing. Love it. Uh, the next one, this one is new. This one is on my favorite podcast app called Pocket Casts. Mm-hmm. They introduced this feature where if you've been listening and you pause and take a break, I don't know what the exact threshold is. I'm trying to like zero in on it. I think it's around 10 minutes. If you take a break for more than 10 minutes and you come back and you hit play, Pocket Casts will automatically rewind, I think, 10 or 15 seconds. Mm -hmm. So it just reminds you where you were Mm because, you know, you might have paused when someone was mid-sentence or after a question was just asked. And so just going back and getting that extra few seconds of context is really useful. Yeah, I think Audible does this too for the exact same reason. Yeah, it's super nice. Where was I? Who's talking? All right. Uh Yeah, exactly. Okay, another one. Again, this is like gray area. Is this invisible or not? But some calendars, like I think Google Calendar is pretty tightly integrated with things like your email and with weather, right? And maps, of course. So I think, I don't know if you have to set this up manually or if it just is automatic. I can't remember how I have it done. But if you have a calendar event coming up that has an address in it, it will figure out if you're going to drive there or if it's in walking distance or if it's like an airport flight It'll mm-hmm. know that there's like travel distance to the airport. It'll warn you if there is uh, an unusual traffic pattern or an unusual weather pattern, and you'll get a notification of some sort that's like, hey, you should leave now if you want to get to destination on time. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool when it works. Yeah, basically someone checking on all those things for you without you knowing about it and only letting you know if you need to know anything. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, another one is adaptive screen brightness. This is like on on most phones, they will use the ambient light sensor and the sunrise sunset to figure out how much warmth to put into your screen so that you're not looking at a a bright blue-white screen at nighttime. And this also exists on HomeKit for like if you have Hue lights or other smart lights. They can be warmer in the evening and bluer during the day. Yeah, maybe this is just night shift, right? Like, Yeah, night shift. There we go. That was two words for an entire <laughs> paragraph I just said. <sighs> We're concise. All right, the next one. This one, oh, 
I like this. On the newest MacBooks, or I guess the last few generations of MacBooks, they switched the trackpad so that it doesn't physically move, but they have a haptic engine inside of it that vibrates the trackpad in such a way that it actually feels like you have clicked the thing, like it has moved. It is indistinguishable from an actual clicking trackpad. It's magic. I don't know how they do it, but it's so convincing. And I think this fits our definition of invisible because you don't really notice it when it's working because it feels exactly like a click. But if it ever doesn't work or if it's delayed, yeah, your computer feels 100% broken, right? Yep. Like it has destroyed this really primary input mechanism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if it doesn't work, <laughs> things are busted. Have you ever had lag on your like Bluetooth trackpad before? I've never had lag, but I've had it like, oh, if it's accidentally off or it runs out of batteries and uh, you're pressing it and you're like, something is wrong. Like it's not even moving. And then you're like, <laughs> oh, it, it's not supposed to move. It's supposed to vibrate. God, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it feels just so broken. It's crazy. Just a slight, like a few dozen milliseconds it makes all the difference. It's crazy. The next one is maybe requires a little bit of manual setup, but once mm-hmm. it's set up, it can become an invisible sort of design experience, which would be geofencing. Yeah. I think Shortcuts has built this in. You can set up shortcuts to trigger when you connect or disconnect from a certain Wi-Fi network. So if you arrive home, leave home can trigger certain things. I know smart locks have this. So if you leave your house, yeah, your house will just lock. Um, and it'll unlock when you get back in that range. Yeah, exactly. So geofencing. Uh, we also put down dynamic app offloading or cloud storage. This would be, I'm most familiar with iOS in this context, but mm-hmm. iOS has the option to uninstall apps if you don't use them for a certain period of time and then offload photos to iCloud so they're not actually stored on device which mm-hmm. can be frustrating sometimes if you want quick access to them. But for the most part, like 99% of the time, you'll never notice that most of your photos don't actually exist on your phone. They're just in the cloud and you're viewing these tiny little preview thumbnails of them. Yeah, just a butler going around behind you, cleaning up your mess, making sure there's nothing extra that doesn't need to be there. Which is really cool to think about where we came from. Because I remember in the early 2000s, defragging my computer do you remember defragging your computer marshall yeah looking at the little chunks and hoping that they all fit together yep 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 and now that's just invisible just happens yeah the next one is background machine learning on photos so every time you take a photo of something your phone is figuring out what's in those photos so that later if you search for dog or sandwich or whatever you can pull up (laughs) all the pictures you've taken of those things Mostly dogs in my phone. Dogs and screenshots. This is my number one search. You know, you're having a casual conversation with someone. Your dog comes up like, oh, what kind of dog do you have? And you're like, oh, let me show you a photo really quick. Or ideally, they ask to see a photo first. (laughs) And it's kind of annoying to have to scroll through or have to like maintain an album. Mm -hmm. But it's awesome to just tap on the search input, type dog. And since I take mostly photos of my own dog, it's just full immediately and I can get there in just a couple of taps. It's awesome. I remember when I first got a Mac and started getting into like using iPhoto and stuff and I was like, oh, this is a really nice way to see all my images. Manually going through and tagging each photo. 
Yeah. I've spent hours and hours and hours of my life manually tagging photos that I've never looked at again and uh-huh. I've never used those tags <laughs> to search for or anything. Like uh-huh. this existing is saving me because my organizational needs, my brain makes me do these things. So now I can tell my brain like, you don't need to do that. It's already taken care of. Don't worry. Yeah. Play video games or something. Well, similarly, there's background software updates now, right? Yeah. Like, When's the last time you went to the app store? The app store updates automatically. Your Mac is designed to... To update while you're sleeping and connected mm-hmm. to power, right? Like this stuff has become invisible in a way that it used to disrupt your day. Like, oh shit, I have to update all my software. See you in two hours, right? Yeah, like get my 30 pin connector out and plug it into my computer and download the thing on iTunes. <laughs> yeah. Here's a more tactical background sort of function that is app specific. And it's one that I love. I, I use Swarm. Well, actually, I haven't really used it since COVID started in 2020 because you're not checking in anywhere. Um, (laughs) But I I like checking in on Swarm, but it's annoying to have to check in everywhere you go. You're always pulling out your phone. You have to remember to do it. It takes a little while to tap. So at some point, I don't know when, Swarm implemented a feature where as long as you have given it sort of persistent location privileges... Uh I don't know if I recommend this or not, but... (laughs) Always allow. That's a scary button. As long as you always allow, it will prompt you later on. It'll say like, hey, you have eight places that you visited, but you didn't check in. Do you want to check in really quick? And it'll just present you a list of places with a check mark or an X. And it makes it way faster to just do that sort of once per day. Like when we would be traveling uh, on a vacation or something, I would never pull my phone out to check in. But then maybe in the evening when I got home back to the hotel or whatever pull it up and just go through the list. Be like, yes, yes, yes. Nope, that one's incorrect. Yes, yes, yes. And then you're done. And you didn't have to disrupt your day or, I don't know, get out of the flow of just being in places to check in and have that sort of history. That also seems like a good safety feature. Of like, you know, by the time you tell people where you've been, you're not there anymore in case somebody wants to do you harm, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Well... I don't have any friends on Swarm, so <laughs> it's really personal. Or maybe I have a couple close friends, but yeah, I don't allow public access for that exact reason. Also, you're not female, so that that makes a difference. That is a great point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let's uh, end this on, I think, maybe one of the better ones, which is Raise to Wake. I don't know. I can't remember exactly when this was added as kind of like a common feature. I know Android got it before iOS, but... The idea that like you lift up your phone and it and it wakes up for you and shows you your lock screen automatically, like that's become so expected now that if I pick up an older phone that I have, same thing as like with the, when the lights don't turn on, I'll I'll sit there and look at the screen for a couple seconds, waiting for it to register that I'm trying to to open it, even tap the screen like hey hey wake up and it doesn't and it feels totally broken. Yeah. I remember we talked about this specifically. We talked about how transformative just these small things like tap to wake were, Mm -hmm. where it seems obvious in hindsight, but we went many generations of phones where this feature didn't exist. Yeah, basically a decade. And everything before that now feels broken. It feels like you're touching this cold hunk of metal, whereas now when you touch your screen and it wakes up, it feels much more organic or it feels like it's connected to you in, in a more personal way. It's predictive. Uh, feels alive. It feels, yeah, contextual. Like it, it understands your physical relationship with the device in space, which is pretty awesome. But it's such a small thing that now we all just take it for granted. Yeah. Cool. Well, hopefully that was a decent list and inspired you to potentially 
add some of this stuff into the the products you're working on or the projects you have in mind. Uh, think about it from what are the things you can do that no one will ever notice but will improve their experience. Yeah, I love when you were talking about how much time you spent tagging photos, and now Apple does it automatically. And I, in the back of my head, I'm like, I wonder how many collective human hours Apple yeah. has saved the planet by years. doing something like that. Decades, right? yeah, I'm sure. Years, which is really cool. So Yeah. All right. And as always, let us know what we missed. Same as last week where we talked yeah. about digital experiences. If other cool, invisible design services, products, features come to mind, tweet at us. Design Details FM on Twitter. Sweet. All right. Cool things. All right. Cool things. My cool thing this week, Brian, is... An anime. Uh, it's a it's a cartoon. <laughs> a what? You want to say that again? An anime. <laughs> okay. Anime. Uh, yeah, I have an anime to recommend. Um, I don't watch a ton. I pro- I watch more than the average person, I'm sure, because that's zero. But like, uh, I'm, not, I'm not huge in anime. But I found one that I really fucking like. It's called Jujutsu Kaisen. It's the story of of a kid, and and the the world has curses in it so not vampires or werewolves or anything but there's curses and those curses are birthed into the world through human suffering and shit right but most people can't see them so our main character he can see them and also he's a badass fighter and stuff and he gets integrated into this like hogwarts type of thing where it's like all these sorcerers who fight against curses and it's got kind of a high school thing going on too which is common in anime but um Uh, okay the fight scenes are really cool really great animation and camera angles and everything like this just in between the talky bits which aren't boring sometimes they're you know sometimes in anime it's boring between the fun action parts but this one all of it's interesting and the action stuff is especially interesting but it's just like behind the scenes unseen world type of a thing that like the muggles don't know about it and we're we're fighting for good you know oh that's more compelling that type of vibe yeah yeah okay cool uh, I'll watch the first episode on Crunchyroll and report back. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, my cool thing this week is an app that I've been using for two weeks now, and it's called Tempo. Okay. It is at yourtempo.co, and it's an email app. And oh. I normally don't switch around email apps too much. Previously on Mac, I've been using Spark. Uh, mostly my requirements are I want great multi-account support. And I, that's basically it. And Tempo is interesting in how opinionated it is about the way it wants you to interact with emails. I think you got to be. If you're going to make an email client at this point, you have to be really opinionated about it. Yeah. So yeah. I think you'll, you'll either love this or hate this. Okay. Hit me. Here's what I like. It is incredibly minimal. Like if you just go on the website and look at some of the screenshots, yeah, it is pared the fuck down. Like there yeah. is just not much stuff. And the app is exactly like that. The app is visually very nice there's some really cool dare i say design details like for example if you hold the command key for a second any part of the interface that you can interact with through a keyboard shortcut will sort of display that keyboard shortcut next to it and it kind of animates in so it's kind of nice um they also have this idea of button stacks so for example if i'm viewing an email on the right side there are normal buttons to like forward it, to add it to my to-do list, to remind me about it. But then there's also button stacks and you can choose which button is at the top of that stack. And if you hold option, it will flip to the other action. So in my case, I have archive as the top button in in Mm. one of my button stacks. Mm -hmm. And if I hold option, 
it sort of flips and the delete button moves on top of it. So if I hold option, I can delete it. Otherwise, it just defaults to archive. And there's kind of okay. a cute little animation where the buttons like flip in the Z index on top of each other. Yeah. So that's kind of nice. This is interesting. This is like a predictive type of thing. Uh, like, so for example, this happens if you click on a menu bar item in the top, like window or view or something. If you hold option, it will change any of the actions within that menu to show you the optional version. Yes. But there's yes. no indication whatsoever that there's stuff under there. So uh-huh. this is cool. It's like a visual indication that there is more functionality hidden beneath. I like it. Yeah. Okay. So that's cool. Visual design, interaction design, interesting. There's stuff, fun stuff to play around with for anybody. But the main opinionated part about this app is that they think that you should triage your email in batches. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about you, Marshall, but I check my email way too much. Like I'm pulled refreshing throughout the day. Nope. Okay. Well, you're better than I am. I'm a morning and evening kind of a guy. Okay. Then you might really love this. So by default, Tempo delivers your email in batches. The first one is at 8 a.m. and the second one is at 4 p.m., I believe by default. But you can customize that. You can add more batches. You can change the time. Hmm. But I really like those. Those are good times for me because yeah. if I wake up early... I can go a couple hours without seeing any new email. And then at 8 a.m., I get my first batch, which is kind of around when the working day starts. And then my Mm -hmm. second batch comes in at 4 p.m., which is the day hasn't ended, so I can end my day and make sure I didn't miss anything important. And when a batch comes in, the primary action is to sort the batch. And it basically takes you into not Tinder-like in that you're swiping, but Tinder-like in that there's one thing you can look at at a time. Mm -hmm. So it forces you to go email by email through the batch, and choose. Do you want to archive it? Do you want to reply to it? Do you want to delete it, mark it as spam, whatever? Mm-hmm. Or you can like set a reminder or add it to your to-do list. And I love that. For me, it's not only time boxing it, but it's forcing me to make a decision on an email one at a time rather than just procrastinating and letting it sit in my inbox for a while. Uh, is it available for mobile? It is not available for mobile. Oh, deal breaker. Uh, but I still use Outlook on mobile. Outlook is great on iOS. But yeah, just from a desktop point of view, it's great. I think they're going to work on mobile apps, but I think it's a really small team. I think it's just a few people and it's new. They just came out of beta at the end of last year. Mm. And so there are regular release notes and change logs with like new features and bugs being fixed. I reported a bug and they fixed it in the next patch and hey. like shouted me out in the release notes. I was like, holy shit, this is... Oh a nice experience from like a support perspective. So anyways, I've talked way too much about email apps. Uh, I like it. (laughs) Try it if you're interested. I think they have a two week trial and then after that it's a few bucks a month. Tempo. All right, check it out. Cool. Well, that does it. Yeah, that's it. This has been episode 383 of the Design Details Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. Let us know your thought. We're on Twitter at Design Details FM. As always, uh, you know, if we missed anything in our, our main topic, talking about invisible design experiences, let us know. Tweet at us, slide into our DMs. If you have a listener question, you can hit us up on Twitter or go to our GitHub, github.com slash design details slash design details. Open an issue, ask a question, and we might be able to talk about it in a future episode. If you enjoyed this episode or have been enjoying the show in the past, uh, we'd really appreciate it if you considered supporting the show. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash design details. For just a dollar a month, you make it possible for us to pay for all of our software, hardware, and of course the time that we put into recording and editing the show every single week. Mm -hmm. When you subscribe, you get access to a supporter-only segment of the show called the Sidebar. Sidebar, sidebar. It's basically like an extra half of the show. And in this week's Sidebar, we talk all about the new Tesla Model S refresh. 
going through all the design details of <laughs> the new steering wheel Yoke. thing, new screens, new buttons, all the cool updates in the new Tesla. So if you want to hear that and our whole backlog of sidebars and full episodes of the podcast going forward, consider supporting us at patreon.com slash design details. And you can get your name right out on the show like those people you heard earlier. Uh, we can yeah. butcher your name. If, <laughs> do you want me to mess up your name? <laughs> <laughs> Pay us $1. <laughs> All right, that's it. We'll see you next week. Bye. All right, cool things. Yeah, let's do some cool things. Mind if I okay. go first? Uh, sure, I'll go first. No, I think I think I said, do you mind if I go first? Sure, I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for it. Uh, shit. <laughs> <laughs>